Say what you like about Andrea Agnelli, but at least he is not afraid of a bad idea. Even by the standards of Agnelli, the Juventus chairman, this has been a fairly spectacular, a seemingly never-ending stream of free-form thoughts about the future of football, each one somehow worse than the last there was. First, a stout defense of the coming reform of the Champions League, the so-called Swiss model, which would see 36 teams qualify for the tournament and then play 10 group games, rather than six, all of them against different opponents that was just Agnelli getting started. Though, it is perhaps easiest to think of him as football's equivalent to Stuart Pearson, the policy strategist vapid marketing guru skewered so perfectly in the thick of it, the British political satire. Legacy places in the Champions League? Banning elite clubs from buying each other's players? Selling a subscription to the last 15 minutes of games? Yes, and how the reaction to all of these suggestions? Of course, was what even Agnelli, presumably, has come to expect, a panoply of derision and disdain, the sort that in a strange sort of way unites football's various warring tribes in hostility to the machinations of a smart, urbane businessman who seems determined to play the role of cartoonish supervillain that, so many of his ideas emerged. Agnelli's Juventus was unexpectedly and dramatically eliminated from the Champions League by Porto simply served to underline his hubris. This, after all, was the sort of drama he wants to negate, inflicted by the sort of team he wants to disenfranchise. He got, in short, what he deserved but, while that reaction is both understandable and largely justified, it is not desperately constructive. Just as with Project Big Picture, the set of ideas tossed around by the owners of Manchester United and Liverpool for reform of the Premier League and leaked late last year, the immediate rush to outrage means that the islands of common sense in Agnelli's thought torrent are swept away before they can be properly explored take, for example, the last of his suggestions. Why would it be bad, precisely, to sell the rights to watch the last 15 minutes of games? Of course the clubs would benefit from the tapping of another revenue stream, but who suffers those who wanted to watch the full match? Could still do so, through whatever subscription package they currently enjoy. But maybe others, those not able to afford it, those without the time to benefit from it, those who do not wish to watch an entire game, could use a cheaper, shorter, more ad hoc alternative there will have been plenty. For example, who might have wanted to watch the denouement of Juventus's game with Porto, once it became clear that it might prove more compelling than anticipated. So why not let them that the idea could be dismissed out of hand is, in part, down to the fact that it was Agnelli who proposed it. He is, after all, not only the chairman of Juventus, but the president of the European Club Association too, a body that is designed to represent the interests of all of its members but, in the popular imagination, is largely deployed to lobby for the game's established elite as such. It is assumed that everything that is in Agnelli's interests is automatically tinged with, not just self-interest, but also greed. The expansion of the Champions League, according to that argument, is designed to enable a handful of clubs to make more money, at the expense of everyone else, furthering the financial chasm that yawns between teams in the major leagues and between the major leagues and the minor ones the idea of legacy places. Allowing teams with more European pedigree to leapfrog those with less, ensuring that the traditional powers always have access to the Champions League, regardless of where they finish in their domestic leagues, is seen as offering them a backstop, inuring them from the consequences of failure, breaking the contract that sports should be in some way meritocratic, ensuring their money keeps flowing this is, doubtless, true. Agnelli is not advocating anything that would damage his, his clubs or his collaborators' interests. But it does not follow that those who stand in his way are acting out of some sort of higher purpose. Several clubs, most notably Crystal Palace and Aston Villa, led the resistance to the reform of the Champions League, insisting that it would irrevocably damage domestic competitions, and they are right. But their motivations are no purer than Agnelli's. 
Crystal Palace and Aston Villa benefit very nicely, thank you very much, from the status quo. They have been made immeasurably rich by their mere presence in the Premier League. They will reject any move that endangers their place on that particular gravy, train it is here that the problem becomes broader. More pernicious. There is a reason Agnelli and John W. Henry, the owner of Liverpool, and Joel Glazer, his counterpart at Manchester United, and the powers that be at Bayern Munich and Juventus and all the rest, keeps having bad ideas, and it is one that cannot be put entirely, though that is relevant to the big club's greed for trophies and for profit it is that on some fundamental level. The economics of football as they stand do not work, and they did not work even before the coronavirus hit, creating a colossal hole in the accounts of, almost, every club across Europe, rich and poor alike ideally, at this juncture. It would be possible to pinpoint just one problem, the spending of Paris Street Germain and Manchester City, the wealth of the Premier League, or the growing gap between haves and have-nots, and then to identify a panacea that would make it all better, but that is not how it works. Fairness in top-flight European football is a vast and unwieldy and complicated issue, and one without an obvious solution for the grand houses of continental Europe. The issue is the relentless march of the Premier League. For the big clubs of the Premier League, it is being expected to win an arms race against teams backed by nation-states. For those teams, it is trying to crack a cartel that is arranged against them for the teams that fill out the five major leagues of Western Europe. It is finding a way to overcome the enormous financial advantages of their opponents. For those leagues that are not considered the major powers, it is identifying a way to compete with the Big Five and to deal with the deleterious effect on competitive balance of the Champions League itself, and that is before we get further down the pyramid. To the teams struggling to breathe away from the continent's top divisions. It is this that makes it too hard to sympathize with the plight of Crystal Palace, which currently makes more money than AC Milan and Feyenoord and Legia Warsaw and Panathinaikos, and all but a couple of dozen other teams in the world. It is this that means it is dangerous to assume that what is good for Crystal Palace is good for football as a whole there are, unfortunately, no easy answers. But that should not dictate that all suggestions for change are shot down, or that the underlying assumption should be that they are all rooted in bad faith, or even that self-interest itself precludes an idea's having merit the people who own clubs are within their rights to want steadier, more predictable incomes, or more restricted spending. It is not feasible to demand, as we currently do, that they just throw as much money against the wall as possible in pursuit of short-term success. Fans, above all, should know by now that such an approach rarely ends well that is not. To say that Agnelli has yet hit upon the answer. Legacy places for historic teams defeat the purpose of sport, though they are not exactly unprecedented. In South America, there have been various experiments, rarely for good reasons, to make relegation a punishment for years of underperformance, not just a single bad season expanding the Champions League. Though not something that is personally appealing, has more positives, should the extra places go to national champions from lesser leagues, expanding the horizons of the competition, though even that might then have a distorting effect on those domestic tournaments. Banning transfers between elite clubs makes no sense, how else would Agnelli, for one, have unloaded Mural and Pjanic's contract but none of this should disguise. The need both to talk about and institute change. The status quo might work for a handful of teams, the ones, largely, that finish in the top 15 of the Premier League pretty regularly, and possibly Bayern Munich, but it locks out the vast majority are finding it increasingly off-putting, it is incumbent on everyone. Then, to have the courage to have ideas, not objections rooted in tradition, not utopian daydreams, but concrete, considered suggestions. Would cross-border leagues help teams from smaller nations compete? Should elite teams be allowed to sign strategic deals with partner clubs? Is there a way to make the Champions League more compelling? How do you address competitive balance within and between domestic tournaments, all of them will have drawbacks, 
all of the illicit criticism. But it is a conversation we must be prepared to have, not one that should be shut down just because someone, somewhere, finds it does not align with his interests. Partly because that is the only way anything will change. And partly because if we do not, one of Agnelli's ideas might just stick. Remember to follow Golia by hitting the follow button and slapping a five-star review on the show or tapping the love icon. Let's get to 1 million followers and tune in daily for new episodes.